Welcome into Tailgate. Do I ever say welcome into Tailgate? I don't know. Did I think I, so. I don't know. That was it felt weird saying it. I don't know why. Austin Gale here with Mike say? Renner in Welcome, welcome in. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm freaking out. I don't yeah. know. Uh, have you slept much? Adrian? No, I haven't. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny, vibing Cincinnati. One of my new expressions I'm using is "chase the vibes" today. Just okay. chase, chase vibes. What do you think? Uh, I'd I'm not going to use it, but you, by all means, that can be your thing. Well, we're chasing vibes today. Chasing absolute vibes. Day one, round one, officially in the books for the 2022 NFL Draft. Today, we are going to go pick by pick. Give our analysis on all those. Give our grades on all those. Letter grades A to F. And then we're also going to do at the back end here, biggest winners, biggest losers, steals. And then we're going to look preview day two. Some, some you know, maybe some mock drafting, some best available, some best fits, all that kind of stuff as we get down the piper here. Did you sleep a lot last night? I actually got, I fell asleep a little quicker than I usually do. Mm -hmm. I guess it's because I was like writing for a while after. But Usually when I like lay in bed post draft, it's about a good half hour. Scrolling to Twitter. An hour. No, not even scrolling Twitter, just like I'm like reliving every pick in my head. It's just like going the, the brain's just moving. Because you're like on it for so long you can't just turn it off. So thankfully yesterday, um I kinda got to bed early. So I got a got a few hours, maybe like four. You'd love to see it. Let's start with pick number one. Number one overall, the smoke was real. There was fire there. Trayvon Walker, Georgia Edge defender, goes number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trent Baalke gets his guy, right? Trent Baalke, for a long time now, multiple weeks, we've been talking about Baalke likes, you know, Baalke likes Walker, Baalke likes Walker. I wrote my mock draft on Sunday last week saying that when Walker was plus 200 to be the first overall pick, that it's going to be Walker. I wish I was in a legal betting state because I probably could have made some cheddar there. But Trayvon Walker ultimately is the number one overall pick. It closed at minus 500 that he was going to be the number one overall pick. Oof. So it was obviously growing and growing and growing that Trayvon Walker was going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. According to PFF's draft tracker, which I encourage everyone to go check out, 21% of PFF users like this pick, and we gave it a below average grade on the draft tracker. I'm not... I don't think this is even like below average. I, I think this grade for me is C. Like it's just like it's 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 a bet. It's a incomplete. 50, I, I maybe know? an incomplete. Right. It, it's you're betting on. I said this on the draft show last night. You are betting on your coaches turning Trayvon Walker into a star yeah. by developing him as a pass rusher as he adds more experience. He has a third of the career snaps played of Hutchinson and Thibodeau, like, and, and Karloftis Carl even less so. Karloftis has a ton of snaps played. He needs to play more football. He needs to play one position. I think the bulky yeah. said last night that we're going to figure it out. He's going to find a position that he, he likes and he's going to fit into, and then we're going to develop him at that role. They don't even know if they're going to play edge. Maybe it's <laughs> cornerback in the red zone, but you're going to need to get him in one position, yeah. get him to playing a lot more football, teach him how to pin his ears back on passing downs, and then you got to teach him to use his hands. Because if he can do it, with the, with the explosiveness that he has, the size mm -hmm. that he has, the arm length that he has, he'll be great. And I also dispel this idea that he's a low-floor player. Like, I, I think the b largest range of outcomes here if you're, is that he's pretty good. He's good in the middle as a, as a run defender. Like, honestly, like, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's going to be exactly. a situation where he's awful. Like, well, today, yeah, like Clowney. I think it's going to be very similar to Clowney. Clowney has, like, always been solid, yeah. but he's never been elite. I've never been in the top tier. I would push back on that just a touch that that he still could have a low floor like he could be a solomon thomas-esque player and that there's just never really a role for him in the nfl because i mean there wasn't really a role for him that he excelled at at georgia like so that's not there's always a risk you know guys do have to develop once they get to the league but he doesn't have to do much you know to be a productive player to to hit a high floor 
So um, it is unprecedented, though. Like, it's obviously not where we would have gone. If I am going to give a grade to it, it would be an F. Yeah, like it was really? straight up B with the with the board and what you had on the board there with Aiden Hutchinson. Now, maybe you want him to play a different role, but you have one of the surest things in this class, probably one of the surer things at the position over the past eight years. You know, Aiden Hutchinson's good. He's athletic. He's plays a valuable position. You had a layup sitting there for you. Now, again, Trayvon Walker, three, four years down the road could be better, but. To me, that's a risk I just wouldn't wouldn't have taken if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's what I mean. Twelfth overall player on the board, number one overall. That's that's not, that's like not good value. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I I'm gonna keep it at a C, and I think too that you know obviously he has to develop, but I, I still stick to this idea that he is going to like. I don't think the percentage chance he's a perennial All Pro is as high as people are saying either. I think it's more likely. I think yeah. again, it is very likely that Trayvon Walker has a very similar production. Yeah. As Jadavion Clowney over the course of his career, like Clowney, I, I don't. Clowney was I, so much better in college, though. It's like the better one would to me would be Rashawn Gary. Like if you're banking on what he could be, and even Rashawn Gary, three years in, is still not a Pro Bowl All Pro type of edge rusher. He's good, but that he has not hit that yet. Yeah. So. That, yeah, maybe the better bit, production comp you know? is is Rashawn Gary, and like even the you know the guys, you know. I'm thinking back to like a San Francisco who he drafted there. Like to me, he's more of Eric Armstead than he is Alden Smith. Just like how he plays the game of football um, as a prospect. And I think he might honestly end up on the interior at his size, at his age. I think he can get up to like 285, 290 easily and still like put on 20 more pounds. That guy, he's still an elite athlete for a DT. To me, I think he could have like a J.J. Watt-esque usage or Eric Armstead-esque usage where he's an interior over-tackle kind of guy for his career. And, and that would still, like, that's a position they don't necessarily have. That, that, that You could still have Caleb on chase on and Josh Allen see the field with him on the inside then. Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick. Number two, Aiden Hutchinson. 96% of users like this pick. Obviously, a lot of Detroit Lions fans are big on Aiden Hutchinson. Love the idea of them him falling to number two. And I think the Lions loved it too, right? That was the fastest I've seen a card put in for the number two overall pick, as long as I can remember. Yes. It was like instant. Instant. The Detroit Lions instantly going Aiden Hutchinson. There was some smoke that they liked Kayvon Thibodeau. Apparently, Brad Holmes really liked Kayvon yes, Thibodeau. Thank you, Brad Holmes, for for turning that one in quickly. Yeah, and then you have Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end, staying in Michigan, going to the Detroit Lions. This pick for me is an A. I think he's a phenomenal player. He is obviously the number one player on PFF's draft board. We touted that a thousand times. And again, for his flaws, I oh, he's got low percentile arm length, low percentile wingspan, and he's maybe, when you look at him turning the corner, the ankle flexion, a little bit stiffer than you want. He was a wildly productive player in college football. Like only the Bosa's and Josh Allen were more productive in a single season than him in 2021. He uses his hands probably better than any player in this draft. And he gets home and he's got, he has the motor, he has the character, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like you said, it is a layup. This is a for sure two points. And I, I think Detroit was smart to sprint the pick in. Yeah. The, the whole, you know, teach someone to use their hands. You know, it would teach me to shoot like Steph Curry. It is like <laughs> kind of like what you're doing. Like he already is not say Steph Curry, but like, He's already shooting threes at a high level. I don't need to teach him to shoot threes. I don't need to teach him to rush the passer. Like, he can already do it. So, the Lions, wow. Like, dream scenario. Uh, one of the picks, shout out to the PFF IT team. Is IT team, is that what it's Engineering. Engineering team. Okay, I was going to say, that might sound a little, uh, might be a, a slur nowadays saying IT. But 95% 
of the PFF users, one of my favorite things on this is people vote after the pick comes in on the PFF draft tracker if you haven't used it. And you can kind of get like a a nice little barometer for how each fan base is feeling. And that was the highest of any fan base in the first round. Not surprised. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson staying home. I mean, every Detroit Lions fan. I know. You know who else is really stoked? You know what? Ninety six percent of these people might be his sire freaking family, because <laughs> like they've been to every single game. Yeah. His sisters have been to every single Michigan game. His dad has been to every game. His mom's been to every game. And now they're like forty five minutes away from Detroit or whatever. <laughs> like they're going to be going to every game as well. So that's uh, awesome for the Hutchinson family a, as well. A plus pick there. A plus. I want A, but you know you got one up me. That's fine. Derek Stingley Jr. The LSU cornerback, there was a lot of smoke that he could fall in the top 10. And, you know, his last, if you, if you, in my opinion, if you don't watch his last two seasons, you say his last two seasons were were bad. He goes number three overall. And I think this was a phenomenal pick by the Houston Texans. Derek Stingley Jr., such an effortless athlete. We've talked about that a handful of times on this podcast when his pro day hit. Guys like, like waking up and jumping 38 inches in the air, which is absolutely absurd. I am a huge fan of him. I think the I think it was Sports Illustrated that wrote a really good feature on him as well that talked about how COVID kind of impacted his mental health and you know Ed Orderon and that coaching staff not really being overly supportive over the last few years. Like if you want to look at reasoning, right? Where Derek Stingley Jr. Again, didn't start playing poorly, but didn't have the same seasons he had in 2019. I think a lot of it was outside factors, right? Derek Stingley Jr. is still a damn good football player, well worth a top five pick. I was actually kind of surprised that more Houston Texans fans weren't big on this pick. Only 67% of PFF users well, liked this he pick. He did get shit on the pre-draft process. Like, it, there were not a lot of people going to bat for him. We obviously were going to bat for him and feel a touch vindicated by doing so for an NFL team. Uh, maybe it, you know, maybe not the NFL team you'd want to agree with, but an NFL team very much agreeing with our view on Derek Stingley as this blue chip elite type of prospect. Yeah, Derek Stingley Jr. Man, that is awesome. I'm giving this another A. I think this a. is an A pick. I agree. Number four overall, Sauce Gardner goes to the New York Jets. Remember early in the pre-draft process, we're mocking like corner to the Jets, and people want us dead, dead. in the streets. They don't like, draft corners. They don't draft corners. They don't value that position that highly. They're not going to take a corner in the top five. They don't put me out at corner. Robert Sala said, I think in the post, post-draft press conference, it was always Sauce Gardner. We were always wanting Ahmad Gardner. It's yeah. exactly where we wanted to go. He is such a confident player. I love talking to Luke Fickle in this pre-draft process about how much Sauce Gardner has improved over the course of his Cincinnati career, how confident he is. He thinks he's more scheme versatile than he's billed as. Ahmad Gardner, a perfect fit for what the Jets want to do defensively. Super. That's another great pick. I, I, I felt like when we were on the draft show last night, through like the top eight to ten picks, I was like, love it. Love it. Great. On the value. Making sense. And I think uh, this is another one I'm going to give an A. A. Plus. I'll give this one a plus because you could not craft a better corner for his defense for Robert Sala's defense couldn't you know Richard Sherman is the only cornerback that you craft that's a better cornerback a literal hall of famer already is the only corner I'd probably rather have for this defense that that's that is what you want like that it was and that's why we kept having that fit and why Robbie he said it was always him because you evaluate this guy and what he can do at the line of scrimmage and what he can do with that length and just the type of guy he is and you would have been insane to yeah. pass out of his town. The Jermaine Johnson for fuck. Now, compared to this guy, what he brings to the table, not even close. We were sold a bag of goods on Jermaine Johnson Fair. going inside the top ten. A lot of people <laughs> were sold a bag of goods. Him yeah. being in this high, inside the top ten was one of the biggest things we were sold on. Malik Willis going net number two was obviously smoke and a half. 
that was absurd. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do think that Jermaine Johnson – or not Jermaine Johnson. They just uh, wanted the price up. Price that Exactly. Up. That's what we're saying late, though. It's like, hey, yeah. the Lions only benefit from saying we want to take Malik Melissa too. Because then you could get a team that's, like, interested enough to go up all the way and, and maybe grab him. Um, the other thing is, like, Jameson Williams, first receiver off the board – Obviously, teams did not see it that way. And you did see the Detroit Lions trade up and go get him at 12. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting that he fell outside the top 10 with how much smoke was building on him being the first receiver off the board in consideration for the Falcons at 8, all that stuff. Well, right. That one's still, I mean, 12, I, I think we're right about still yeah. him going higher than expected. 92% of users liked Ahmad Garner to the Jets. All right, Kayvon Thibodeau goes to the Giants at 5. I love this pick. I said it on the draft show. This is this is an A+. Kayvon Thibodeau, the concerns with Thibodeau are not effort, not that he has a cryptocurrency, and not that he plays chess. It's that he's got a slimmer lower half, and he still needs to develop his pass rush yeah. And, like, that's fine, especially at number 5 overall. You're getting a player that, when you talk about high ceilings with Trayvon Walker, this guy has as high of a ceiling as Trayvon Walker. He can be phenomenal. He has the bend. He can dip, you know, get under the chair and all that stuff. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau is a special athlete. I'm a huge fan of him. The fact that the Giants were able to stay put at 5 and still grab him – Arguably, you know, this guy was getting consensus mocked at number one overall, you know, four months ago before we found out he's got crypto. Like that, it's absurd that, uh, you know, so much of the discourse on Kevin Thibodeau got as nasty as it was. Huge fan of his game. I think the Giants, this is an A plus for me. I don't know if it ever got nasty. What, what, na- what nasty came out there? People just said they didn't like that. No, what about, what about during the combine where he didn't want to do the drills? They're saying, this is terrible, terrible for his, you know, his look. This is not going to go well for him. Like, that, that wasn't nasty. I didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was wrong. I mean, you, just be, you don't. You don't have to be dumping on a player like that. Well, he went number five overall. So I, I think he's completely fine with. Never mind. I was gonna go something different. Um, I was gonna say getting dumped on, but that's Odell's thing. Um, Kayvon, though, is they got two guys mocked number one overall at different points in the process. Love that nugget drop from Eric Eager on the show yesterday. That, that's the kinds of talents you're getting. Now, are they NFL ready? Are they gonna be? You know, in the running for defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year, probably not. And obviously, Evan knew who they got at number seven. But two, three years down the line, like his projectable physical tools to me, and what he's put on tape already, like obviously he's higher on the PFF board because I would bet on that versus what I saw from Trayvon Walker over the course of his career. So I, I think they got a very good, a very projectable athlete for the edge position at number five overall. But that is it. He is still very much a projection at this point. Big fan of Thibodeau there. Iki Aquanu, this pick did not get talked about a ton. Also, the Panthers only had like one pick in the first 130. A lot of teams were focusing on what the Giants were doing and the talents they were adding. But Iki Aquanu <clears throat> ends up being the first offensive lineman off the board. Panthers do not go quarterback, which I know there was a lot of smoke there. I think at one point, Kenny Pickett was plus 150 to be a Carolina Panther. They upgrade the offensive line. Easily one of the most impressive run-blocking offensive tackles we've seen in a long time. A guy that is a great athlete, still upward trajectory. How much he improved his you know his mm-hmm. pass protection over the last year is obviously super impressive. 84% of PFF users like this one. Uh, I, I think this is another really good pick. I think this is, you know, from where the board is, I, I'll give it an A-. minus. Yeah, I, I still will say if you're looking for him to come in year one and really be that guy, you know, Sean Slater, the lockdown path track on the left side. I think you may be a little disappointed. He's is though an upgrade over Cam Irving. So from that perspective, hard to be too disappointed versus what they had there already on the roster. So now, now with what they're 
what they got, uh, they have options. You know, you added Bradley Bozeman, you added Austin Corbett, you have Brady Christensen going into year two. Taylor Mouton's obviously one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Icky, this is a solid offensive line now. I mean, you could see a night and day difference if he does come good over the course of his rookie season. So, obviously, he was OT2 on the PFF board. A lot of people had him OT1 in terms of just physicality, what he brings to the table was OT1 kind of physicality. I think the only reason I'm giving it A- minus is like maybe, maybe – Huh? I would say A- minus too. only reason I'm maybe giving it A- minus is uh, – I hate saying this. This is lazy analysis. But, like, trading down is probably what the best move was for the Panthers. If they could have find a way to, found a way to go down and get more picks just because the roster is so bad – and they only have one in the top 130, I think I would have liked it more. But still, it's a great pick. A.K. Kwan is awesome. Uh, do you think they go after <clears throat> Baker or Jimmy G? Or are they going to just ride it out with Donald? I, I mean, if they're cut, I could see him try to sign Baker. Because Baker would sign for, like, the min. He, well, I guess he would pick a spot, but he would he would probably sign for the minimum to wherever he goes because the offsets, like he gets $18 million anyways, wherever he goes, he's not going to make any extra money from. So that'd be interesting to see. At number seven, not only did the Giants get uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, they also got Evan Neal, which there was some smoke late. I don't know how much of it was smoke that he was, you know, there's some injury stuff and he was potentially sliding a bit. His, his draft prop did move to juicing the over six and a half and he did go over six and a half, but this is another, really really good pick by the new york giants i was really impressed with their haul i think they were one of the biggest winners and i know we're gonna talk winners at the end of this show they were one of the biggest winners for me getting Kayvon Thibodeau and evan neal without having to trade up two legit two of the best talents in this draft i thought that was impressive it just shown actually did confirm that other teams had him off boards for injury reasons really now they didn't quite obviously <laughs> i don't think they did <laughs> that would have been crazy if they did but they said he didn't miss he i think said didn't miss a snap i'm not worried so yeah, I can't speak to that itself, but in, given this scenario, I said this on the show, given this scenario where you have a left tackle entrenched, I would have taken Evan Neal over Charles Cross, even though Charles Cross higher on the board because Evan Neal's played right tackle and he's played it at a high level. I don't, not in the business of trying to flip guys from the left to the right side if I don't have to. And they were that close on the PFF board, that close from a grading perspective that I'd lean Neal. And so a pick here. I Maybe give it an A+. Plus. Borderline A+. Plus. Yeah. I'm going A+. Plus. Evan Neal there at 7, I think, is phenomenal. All right. And, like, waiting on tackle. not So, going Kayvon Thibodeau at 5, knowing the Panthers are probably looking at tackle, and then still getting probably their mm -hmm. guy in Evan Neal at 7, I think, was impressive. All right. Number 8. Drake London comes off the board, and 48% of PFF users like this pick. Not a lot of people Split. like Drake London. Not a lot of people like the Drake London pick to Atlanta. I was a huge fan of it. I think Drake London there is awesome. And I think now you have that and Kyle Pitts. Two guys that are just going to eat over the middle of the football field, give Marcus Mariota yeah. all the opportunity to hit the underneath stuff. I think that's going to be sick. I, I I think this pick for Atlanta is great. Do they need speed? Yeah. It's just, this receiving core is far from complete. But you get one of the, if not the best receiver in this class. I thought he might fall a little bit because he didn't run in his pro day. But it turns out he doesn't. Atlanta obviously super high on him, takes him over. All the receivers in this class. He's ultimately the first receiver off the board. I, I think this one's a solid B plus for me. Ooh, I give it an A. I, I have no issue with them passing on James Williams, Drake London. I think at what they do, they're both elite at. And now they're not complete wide receivers by any means either. But I think Drake London, if you pair him with Cal Pitts, like that's that's tough. That is your makings of Seth alluded to it on the show. Arthur Smith gets this like start of what he had in Tennessee with 
you know, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. You've got big physical wide receivers that can work the middle of the football field. That's Drake London. That's Cal Pitts. And then when Calvin Ridley comes back, if that should ever happen, you have a, you have a nice receiving core now. How about Chris last night on the show? Where that was, a, that was a great joke, dude. So I don't know. I don't remember how he set it up, but it was something about you know Calvin Ridley. He, Calvin Ridley got brought up, and Chris said something like, "I'd bet on it." And yeah. it was like, "Oh my god, this guy's on Sunday Night Football just dropped an absolute hammer!" Oh man, that was incredible. I like how Lucy gets on the when he comes on our our, our like shows and stuff. That was fucking sweet. Um, Charles Cross goes to Seattle Seahawks at nine. That was. When I was writing my mock draft on Sunday, I was like, this is probably my favorite, you know, favorite pick in the top 10. If they can get cross at nine and not overdraft an off-ball linebacker, Seattle's going to be in a really good spot. Yeah. And the fact they were able to stay put there, get Charles Cross, who could immediately come in and start at left tackle, for a team that also, like, did not, does not have Dwayne Brown or Brandon Shell, who, like, they started last year at the two tackle spots. They get in a starter. I, I, I think this was a big win for Seattle. You could argue that he was the best tackle in this class. I know he was on your board and my board. And I think of all the guys, too, Charles Cross, Charles Cross is like the, like probably one of the best tackles right now, right? He had some of the best tape of, of all the tackles in this class last year. Yes, and obviously they're not drafting four this year. You are. It doesn't really matter. You're not going to be good. We've said that a ton. But this was a pick that was getting mocked. Trevor Penning, you know, at times. Like people were thinking that, that they would reach for because they were that desperate. You know, he had Stone Forsyth. And a six-rounder and a UDFA from last year, pencil in your starter. So it was that desperate where it's like you got to get the top guy available. And they got our top guy, not just available, in the draft at the tackle position. So home run for them. Could not Board could not have fallen better. And, yeah, it's only one piece. And, yeah, it's not going to transform you overnight. But it's a good start for whoever ultimately ends up being the quarterback. I, I did not give it a grade yet. I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. I think this is an A-plus pick for the Seattle Seahawks. A yeah. Seattle team, too, that was, like, talking themselves, like, oh, man, what if we take Trevor Penning? What, you know, and it, there were some nerves, man. There was a lot of nerves for Seattle. But Charles Cross, I think, is great. 87% of PFF users liked Charles Cross there to Seattle. All right, number 10. This one was mocked since probably January. Everyone thought the Jets were going receiver at 10, receiver at 10. It could be Drake London. It could be Garrett Wilson. Well, guess what? It is Garrett Wilson. So they grab um, – Sauce Garner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, two really, really good players, two of the best players at their respective positions in this draft. We only gave this good. Not a very good? We gave this a good? I don't know. I like this pick a lot. I, yeah. I, I give this at least an A-. Yeah, I, don't I, know. A-. I, I don't know where else they're going to go here. Like I, Maybe you go Jameson Williams, but you probably want a guy that's going to start right away. Yeah. And you, in my opinion, have to do a lot to develop and throw the kitchen sink at you know pushing Zach Wilson forward. Going receiver here, I think, was always the play, if not going offensive tackle and then receiver as well. So I think this is a really good pick for them. I give him an A minus. I say A minus too. I think it's a very good chance. Obviously, Drake London, the only wide receiver before drafted before the Jets, but there's a very good chance Garrett Wilson was the top guy on their board with just how you know the Shanahan tree operates their offenses and what they covet, and it's what Garrett Wilson is, you know, it's dynamism. It is guys who can create and he is a pure creator. And now is he a complete wide receiver? Is he the like Ohio state run your routes to a T guys that we've come to expect from that school? Not at all. Not even close. So uh, he's going to be your move him around the formation, come in motion, jet sweep, whatever playmaker. And in a role like that, like he's going to excel at that offense. In the last two off seasons, the jets have added Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, C.J. Uzama, Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and now Uzama? Uzama. Is it Uzama? Yeah, there was that whole thing. You don't remember the whole, like, pronunciation thing where 
he was shitting on or he had made that video making fun of people because they were just like butchering his oh name. really yeah, damn like, all right so i'm gonna try this again in the last two off seasons Corey davis elijah moore cj uzama tyler conklin and obviously garrett wilson i and i do think with zach wilson there it's not a top i wouldn't call it a top three top five receiving core but it's still really good and it's a lot better than what a lot of the other leagues have especially you compare that to the justin field situation holy shit the bears receiving core is ass compared to what the jets have done over the last two off seasons well, to try and prop up zach wilson i mean just any of the receiving cores drafted of the guys drafted last year that you know had nothing and they're trying to rebuild bears patriots jaguars this is the best one I easily best yeah oh for sure you compare this to the Jags who added Christian Kirk no this is not this is not the the Jets of all those like you said of all those is easy the best one of my favorite picks in the draft I don't think <clears throat> they had to trade I, I it's interesting that they traded up for him it shows how much they liked him but I was always super high on Chris Olave so the yeah. Saints trade up and go get Chris Olave the other Ohio State receiver he was my number two receiver in the class behind Drake London we gave this a below average because I think you're giving up picks and you know PFF obviously is really low on trading up for non-quarterbacks and I don't love the idea of trading up for a non-quarterback in this situation either but Mickey Loomis always goes and gets his guy mm -hmm. Chris Olave so complimentary to what Michael Thomas offers yeah. right he's a guy that can win down the football field have that be that vertical threat I am a huge fan of his game maybe you don't trade up for him and you know you you lose that trade 40 you know 61 percent of the time or whatever it is Olave is still a phenomenal football player. I don't know why he was getting mocked in the 20s, you know, it, it really at all. I think he was a much better player than that. I'm a huge fan that it went <clears throat> it went Garrett Wilson, J Chris Olave, and then Jameis Williams back to back to back, all three of former Ohio State receivers. It just shows how, how good that receiving core was. But Chris Olave, one of my favorite players in this draft. Maybe I don't give it an A because of the trade-up, but still a solid B for me. I go B, yeah. I, I do think the fit is perfect. Like, it's why they made the move. They obviously felt as if that is what they needed across Michael Thomas, and straight up that is what they needed across Michael Thomas. So NFL-ready guy, that probably was the tiebreaker between him and Jamison Williams. I personally obviously would have gone Jamison Williams, but they want to win now. Yeah. Oh, that's clear. Yeah. Uh, you know, they went into this draft and people were saying, well, they got to add a tackle and receiver. Guess what they did? They got a tackle and receiver. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to go get a tackle and go get yeah. a receiver. And people, like, came in thinking, oh, they have this, like, grand plan to get back in the first round. What's the grand plan? It's just to get another player this year. Yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. the grand plan? The grand plan Phil was needs. to get another good player this year was the plan. At number 12, Jamison Williams. The D this one I want to spend some time on. The Detroit Lions traded – the number 34 overall pick, which is essentially a first rounder, top of the two, right? To move up 20 spots in round one, which is 32 to 12, and 20 spots on day two, 66 to 46. Because they got this, the Vikings 46 overall pick in this trade as well. Yeah. So they move up 20 spots twice. Obviously, those aren't equal. Moving up 20 spots in the first round is way more valuable than moving up 20 spots on day two. But still, you move up 20 spots twice and only give up a number 34 overall pick, which if you look at you know, a lot of like trade simulators and stuff. The Vikings win this trade largely because you're getting another player, right? If you get an extra player, it's hard when you accumulate PFF war for three players to be worse than two, right? Mm -hmm. But here you compare it to like Marcus Davenport trade where the Saints went up from 27 to 14. They give up a future first round pick and a fifth rounder to go up 13 spots, 27 to 14, and go grab a pass rusher courtesy of Mickey Loomis. They go up 20 spots from 32 to 12, lower and higher than where they went with Mark Davisport and didn't have to give up a future first. That, in my opinion, is insane. And they moved up and they moved up in the day two. Yeah. Like that, that, in my opinion, 
that is a fleecing, not a fleecing, but like really, really, really good compensation for the Lions to go up and get their guy. And with kind of the tier that we've talked about a bunch of this, like 20 to 40, 20 to 50, very similar grades, where they moved up from you know, 66 to 46, that might have been the player that they were going to draft at the top of the second round anyways. Yes. You know, like, so it may ultimately, like, realistically just have taken their top, their back end of the first rounder and picked 66 to go up and get Jamison Williams. What an absolute Dude, think move. about this. Think about this. They, right now, have Aiden Hutchinson, PFF's number one overall player. They go up and get Jamison Williams, who's arguably the best receiver in this class and was knocked down for, you know, injury concerns yeah. or whatever. Then say they add... George Pickens at 46. His prop right now is under 46 and a half. Say they add Travis Jones, or maybe they don't go defensive tackle, but like you can add at 46 and you come away with Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, and like Andrew Nicobe Dean. That is like slam dunk season. And all you had to do is give up the 34th overall pick. To, I don't know, man. I think that, this was a really, really good business by Detroit. And I, I, Minnesota obviously gets some value picking up that number 34 overall yeah. pick, and they're going to get an extra player in this draft class because of it. But the Lions paid so little to do what they did, that, in my opinion, is really impressive. And then, like, we didn't even talk about it, but Jameson Williams is awesome, right? And when he gets healthy, I think he could be the best receiver in this class. Lions drafting, hitting a little different than TJ Hawkinson at eight overall. <laughs> Just a little different. Um, yeah, what, what a slam dunk. What an absolute first round for the Detroit Lions. I texted my buddy, who's a Lions fan, and I was like, they had the best first round of any team in the NFL. It was a really like, good first round. You, it, Aiden Hutchinson at two, Jamison Williams, who we've talked about a ton on this pod, special mover, really, you know, obviously has the speed. I think he can play on the inside and outside. He has ability that not a lot of receivers have in the NFL. And to get him, and they're a team too that knows that they can, they don't have to rush him back, right? They're not freaking competing for a Super Bowl next year, but they are adding talent, dude. Going back to last year too, Aline McNeil. Levi Muzurike, Panay Sewell, this year, Jamison Williams, Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know who they're going to take at 46, but right now I'm betting on it being pretty freaking good. Lions, man, I, I really like what they're doing and how they're trying to rebuild this team. I do too. I do too. What's the pick grade? A plus, dude. I'm going, I'm going A. I'm going A because they did trade the 34th over pick. I, I don't think that trade I don't think that trade was crazy, though. Like yeah. that trade for the what it was not, like you said, it was not the Saints. They were not mortgaging much the future either they we're not mortgaging much at all yeah. and for how much i value jameson williams versus how like there was a clear tier after him and kind of like players like 10 to 12 on the pff board and then what you're getting in the 20s like it's, it really is not close and we saw that with the receivers that went you know like four picks later you know john dotson goes four picks later in this draft that's insane all right i give it an a jordan davis at 13 the eagles made like a slight trade-up to get ahead of Baltimore, knowing that there was a lot of smoke that Jordan Davis was going to be a Baltimore Raven if he was available at 14. They make a slight trade. I think they traded a pick in the hundreds to go up ahead of Baltimore going from 15 to 13, which is you know low value. They're going to make sure they get their guy. Jordan Davis, though, at 13, I think is really good value. I give this a B-plus, in my opinion. I don't know. You could go elite. You'd say, oh, it's an A. Jordan Davis is a monster, all that stuff. I still, I still trust the board, right? You know, He was 20th on PFF's draft board. I think he's a top 15 player in this class you know he was not the best pass rusher on the interior for georgia and he didn't even out snap Devontae white and early downs playing the run right i do have concerns about the snap limitations and i think he's a phenomenal run defender i don't think he'll ever be like a plus pass rusher in the nfl um i give it a b plus i'll go b i'll go flat b i i still think it's fine with what the eagles want to do and that's create a dominant defensive line and who has dominant 
physical ability. It's Jordan Davis. You know, he, he can be something special, and he goes to the perfect spot because got a landing spot is very important in the NFL, as we've said a lot in the show. But what he, what, what he could be at the NFL level as a pass rusher is a bull rusher. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that is what his sort of quote-unquote upside would be there because as much as he is a linear, special linear athlete, like moving side to side, it's not going to look the same. He's not going to be putting Aaron Donald-esque moves on him. The best bull rusher over the past decade on the interior of the NFL is Fletcher Cox. He will be in training camp with him. He will be uh, next to him in every single defensive line meeting. That, like, If you're going to learn how to bull rush offensive linemen, that is the guy you want to learn from. Yeah, and for me too, I, I do think that the best comps – are, are like Vince Wilfork-esque, right? Like if, in terms of like yeah. his maximum, if he reaches his maximum potential in the NFL, he could be a lot of what Vince Wilfork, Wilfork was for the past. And with what the Eagles want to do and play the two high looks and all that stuff, again, it's it's exactly, you know, it's like pick. Maybe B-plus is too low. I don't know. Jordan Davis is freaking sick. All right, Kyle Hamilton falls all the way down to the Baltimore Ravens at 14. They get the consensus best safety in the NFL draft, a guy that we've talked about him a thousand times on this podcast about, we talked to Brian Kelly. He's the most versatile player. We talked to Marcus Freeman. He says he can cover any inch of the field that you want. He can play in the slot because he's good. All that stuff. Ravens get a slam dunk. This is the one of the few elite grades we gave on PFF's draft tracker. Also 92% of users like this pick for the Baltimore Ravens. This, in my opinion, if they came away with Jordan Davis or Kyle Hamilton in the spot are solid picks, but I think Kyle Hamilton's the better player here. And we have a A plus grade for me. Yeah, I go A-plus as well. There's just in another spot where you couldn't have gone to a better team to go to. You know, with yeah. his skill set, with obviously it's going to be a little different defense with Mike McDonald, but they obviously still are drafting him with two starting safeties and Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams, who they just signed, with the idea of they're not drafting him to be a backup. He's going to be seeing the field, and with two starting safeties, that means he's going to be probably in a versatile role. They might be rolling out three safeties as their base defense and have him in a linebacker slot-esque role next year. That secondary is nasty. Marlon Humphrey, well, Marcus Peters. Full strength, assuming health, but full-strength secondary could be. Don't, I wouldn't sleep on the Ravens this year. They, they, like Looking over their roster, they've made some good moves this year. We're going to get to them also obviously trading Marquise Brown and my reactions to that and the value they got in return for that. But you think about just the secondary and the Kyle Hamilton pick. Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Hamilton. That is a phenomenal secondary. That is going to be pretty damn sick. All right, 15. Chris Collinsworth loved this pick. Yeah. Chris Collinsworth is a huge fan of Kenyon Green. He said he should be a top 15 player, and guess what? He was the 15th overall pick in this draft. Houston Texans grab the Kenyon Green, Texas A&M. He was a 39th-ranked player on PFF's draft board. Did not test well, right? And he was a faller out of the combine because of that. But... Chris well, obviously is, not. What? Obviously not. Well, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the I get yeah media driven faller. Uh, Houston's still very high on him. Obviously, I, I for me, I'm lower on this pick. I know you said you liked it. I I, I still worry I'm about fine with it. Yeah, I'm I, not. I give this more of like a C minus. I think this might be my lowest grade of the grades we've given out thus far. I'm not super high on Kenny Green. He wasn't a top 32 player on my draft board. Mm-hmm. I worry a bit about the athleticism concerns and could he be a good player? I just don't know if Kenyon Green will ever be a phenomenal player and to draft him inside the top 15 is, is just a little, a little rich for my taste. I would have rather have gone Zion Johnson. I Zion Johnson yeah. was a higher player on my board. If you're, you're bringing in Kenyon Green to play guard, uh, I, I lean Zion Johnson here. So I'm giving this a C minus. I do wonder if they want him at tackle because obviously now they have 
Titus Howard and him in the fold, both guys who have played right tackle in the past. Now, obviously, Green specialized more at left guard over his career and played his best football at left guard last year when he was there, but I don't see why he couldn't play tackle. He's got the length. He's got the feet. Is the balance. Now, is he high-end traits? No, but he's only junior coming out, one of the younger offensive linemen in this class, only just turned 21 years old. So I am a fan of him. Like I, I don't think he's a bad player whatsoever. To call 39th overall player on a board a guard is more a positional value argument like if this I keep talking about this tier of like 20 to 40 on the board they're almost interchangeable like I the only thing pushing him down to 39 is guard value so if he can actually play tackle and they do actually play him at tackle he would have trended more towards 20th on the board like if he plays the right tackle last year and plays as well as he did at left guard he would have been like the 20th player on PFS board so I, I don't I'm not too upset about this pick Part of me thinks I'd rather have Zion Johnson at tackle, though. He's got 34-inch arms. I don't know. Um, I, I also agree with that, though. Jahan Dotson. This was another pick I did not see coming this early. I, I know there was a lot of rumors, a lot of smoke that he was going to be a first-rounder, but to go 16, 16? Yeah. Washington Commanders traded back from 11 all the way to 16 and still get Jahan Dotson, who's the 56th-ranked player on PFF's draft board. I was talking to Seth Galina last night, who's obviously on the draft show and here in Cincinnati. He says it's hard to really – rank receivers for teams because a lot teams prioritize different things right Jahan Dotson some of the best ball skills in this class he has a much bigger catch radius beyond his frame I mm -hmm. think he runs polished routes he's got good good speed sub four five speed four four five speed for me I was just not I did not love the dynamism right I, I think he, he I wanted a more dynamic player um, and also, I just I, I think bigger, right? I, I don't know how how much he's going to play on the outside. I know he has over twelve hundred snaps played on the outside at Penn State. I, I I could see him playing in the slot and being really really good. I just don't necessarily think he was top sixteen in this class. Well, so he's like dynamic, but dynamism for his size mm -hmm. is kind of the thing. Like if he was two hundred ten pounds, I'd be like hell yeah, that's a top fifteen player on the board with how he moves. But at 178, guys get their hands on you at the NFL level, and you're you're done. Like you're, sh you can't move. Like and this you get, isn't you like a James ground, Williams 178. And right? that's, well, James Williams came in at 178 because he tore his ACL. That's what I'm saying. Like this is like a, his actual. He's going weight. to play at 178. Yes, like he is 22 years old, a senior, four years of college, and 178 pounds. I don't think you can expect this guy to put on 10 pounds and, and really still be the same guy. So at this point, 178 pounds. He's a slot in the NFL, and, and that's fine. And I like him in that role for sure, but I just don't see how he fits in this offense. I mean, pairing a guy like that with Carson Wentz. Like, yeah, catch. small catch. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily I, I, a small catch radius, yeah. but like that's just not a guy Carson Wentz goes to. You know, he goes to the Alshon Jefferson of the world. He goes to Michael Pittman's of the world. He'll go to the Terry McLaurin's of the world. And you have – a Curtis Samuel that kind of fills that role in that offense already. And now if he was hurt, whatever, maybe he's not in your long-term plans, but yeah, this one, I think I lean like a C. Yeah. This one. I think I'm in the C range as well. I think with him, 178, 178 pounds at five foot 10 and five eights, 22nd percentile wingspan, 18th percentile arm length. And I know he attacks the ball so well that his catch radius isn't as big of a concern with mm -hmm. other smaller receivers, but then also 50th percentile vertical, 50th percentile broad and a 733 cone. Yeah. Like those are bad. That's bad athletic testing. If he was 200 pounds, even mm -hmm. like that, and he's 178. Like you need to be jumping out of the gym at 178 if you're going to be that small. And that's the outside. thing. It's like you got to be a high end athlete at 178 to play in the NFL. You better be four four below 
or an explosive as hell. But just 178 in the NFL, you better be perfect with your routes or an absolutely elite athlete. I'm not sure he's quite out there. I mean, even with the four four three, it was a one five five ten yard split. Like that's fifty seven percentile receiver position. He's one hundred seventy eight pounds, yeah. right? Like this is like a tiny Traylon Burks athletic profile, right? Where it's like he needed to be a little bit more explosive than this and a little bit more dynamic in this at his size, and it just wasn't it. Just wasn't it. Um, so I am concerned. I give it a C. I give it a C. Is he a good player? Everyone you talk to about him too is like he's freaking awesome, super smart, all this stuff. I, I worry though that like yeah. the measurables aren't good enough to be top sixteen. And, and that's the thing with that I you know, say with all the character profiles and like people raving about guy, it shouldn't push you up a board. You know, it should, it should stick you with your grade. Whereas the opposite end should push you down boards. But to say a guy loves ball, you know, is all about it. That's good. But that should have shown up at some point throughout the process in terms of like ability to get to a higher level. It's not going to push you to another level once you get to the league. In my opinion, I, I just don't like the height, weight, speed stuff. Like, I, I think he's not the height, weight, speed I want at receiver, period. And like, he could love ball. He's got the ball skill, all that stuff. He just doesn't have it. Doesn't have it that I want, especially if I'm taking him inside the top 16. Um, next pick here is Zion Johnson. The, the problem was the wide receiver class at that point was gone. He had Burks. So what we talked about was Burks. four off the board. The top four were gone by pick 12. So teams that it almost felt like. They said we we're going to draft a wide receiver. They should have just stuck at 11 if they were really going to draft a wide receiver. This, again, is another product of the Carson Wentz trade because you have to, like, they had to get push your freaking chips in. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to bet on Carson Wentz. We've got to get him another receiver and whatever. Yeah. Like, and now you're forcing receiver after trading. Why didn't they take a lobby at 11? Well, that was, that's what I just said. I I like, why, they, why didn't they stick at 11 if they really were going to pigeonhole themselves in a wideout? They must, have, they must have been fucking high on John. High on Dawson. Yeah, fair. Uh, next is Zion Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Boston College interior offensive lineman goes to Los Angeles Chargers. I was talking to Seth last night, who's a good friend with Brandon Staley, who's been on his podcast before. And apparently there was a lot of conversation in the with the Chargers coaching staff that the real reason that they weren't able to, like, effectively, as much as they wanted to, like, push the ball downfield and win the vertical threats and all that stuff, wasn't necessarily that they didn't have that receiver. It was more that their offensive line was cheeks and, and they didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting – Zion in to come play guard and then still being able to have Matt Filer there and then obviously you have Rashawn Slater who's one of the better rookie offensive tackles all of last year not if not the best that is a huge win for the Chargers um I think guard you know you think about business value at 17 I I think the ball the board fell to them well here he was the 24th ranked player on PFF's draft board getting him at 17 with the measurables that he has and how quickly he can start I think this is an A pick yeah Zion was the kind of guy who Every team that got, every team wanted him. It was like, oh, yeah. oh you know, yeah. once you got to the twenties, it's like, oh, Patriots, Cowboys, Bills, Bucks. Everyone wants him. What everyone wants a guy, and that was kind of like Chris Olave too. They end up going higher in the draft. Like Zion Johnson, everyone wanted him because he is going to come in to the NFL and be good, straight up. Like, look at it, like his negatives on any scouting report. There's not a lot. The dude allowed only six pressures all last year. So, and is a high end athlete for a 315 pound guard. This guy's going to be shit like Rayshon Slater was. I, I, I would not surprise me if he is your highest graded rookie offensive lineman next season. Love that. Put that on a quote graphic. Social yeah, okay, team. Maybe I shouldn't say wouldn't surprise me. I, if I had to bet, I would probably bet Zion Johnson is your highest graded rookie guard. Reframe it again for the social team. <laughs> Zion Johnson's a god. Zion <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnson. Never mind. Okay, that's going to go too far. All right. Love mm-hmm. that. I miss it. <laughs> Uh, next is Traylon Burks. We, let's spend some freaking time here. 
We got to spend some time on this one. Okay. The Tennessee Titans traded A.J. Brown for the 18th overall pick, and I think like a fifth rounder. I think it was another uh, something in change. What was the, this? Let's is get the, the actual details. What went. was the actual details? This is when the draft just went hey, nutty. Whatever. Yeah. So it was 18 and 101. Yep. So third AJ rounders. So it, it, they got a decent yeah. return. 18 and, and 101 for A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, starting with this on the Titan side. And I he think signed we, a four-year $100 million deal, so this was in the works. Yeah, definitely in the works. Mike Vrabel was not happy about this. Go look up the Mike Vrabel press conference and then the video of him walking away from the table once they drafted Traylon Burks and traded away A.J. Brown. He was going to kill one of the reporters who asked the question. It was Paul Kukarski or whatever, yeah. that guy who's been covering the Titans beat since, like, Nom. Dude, he was He said – you've got to go look it up. I'm pleased. But he said, Paul, thank, I really appreciate you reading my words back to me or something. He was freaking livid, bro. <laughs> and then – so – so the part of the words back to me is like, so um, Mike Vrabel said a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was like a week or so ago, that A.J. Brown will not be on the trade block for as long as I'm the coach here. And then he gets <laughs> traded literally in round one. It's incredible. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. So Vrabel's not pleased about it, obviously. A.J. Brown's a, one of the best you know, young receivers in the NFL. How much of this, just, just focusing on the A.J. Brown piece on the Titans angle, how much of this is not having the money to pay him because obviously you have money dumped in other places. And like, I don't know, like, cause I don't understand why they had to move on from AJ Brown when, cause obviously AJ Brown wanted a new contract. That's freaking clear. And he got paid 25 million per on a four year deal, hundred million. Yeah. He wanted a new contract. Tennessee being willing to move on from him. Was it that they weren't willing to pay him or was it, Oh no, getting 18th and one Oh one for AJ Brown is great value and great process. That's an offer we can't pass up. Which side do you think was more pressing there? I don't think they were able to pay him. They just threw, well, obviously they got the Tannehill deal and they threw a bunch of money at their edge position. You know, they, they have Bud Dupree, they have Harold Landry on big money deals. They have Jeffrey Simmons coming up for a big money deal. They have only $4.8 million in space right now as it stands. They are a little up against it. They're literally over the cap in 2023 as it stands. So this was purely that. They, they had prioritized other positions and kind of left A.J. Brown out in the cold, thinking that they could... Dude, know. I just read it into the details. Okay. A.J. Brown from the Titans, this is an hour ago from Jonathan Jones, oh no, uh, Teron Davenport, who is a, a writer for ESPN that covers the Titans. The Titans offered him a deal worth $16 million per year with t- up to $20 million in incentives, which is less than what Kirk got. And he said, yeah, that's just too far. And then they obviously traded him that's insane the titans offered him that little money where does that even rank in terms of like receivers what i mean he had to get laughed out of the building john robinson that's it's probably you know what it probably was it was probably just like so they could say we made him an offer you know oh we made him an offer Couldn't he would have made less than robert woods robert woods would have made more who's on the titans yeah um odd Odd that it got to that point that like you couldn't prioritize the, you know, a top ten receiver in the NFL, but obviously they're high in Burks, drafted them 18th here, similarly typed wide receivers, not, not similarly skilled in my opinion, um, but they are big, six two two twenty five, and with that offense, like I think Burks can, it's a good fit for Burks, I think in terms of what he brings to the table, and how that offense operates. At the same time, I don't see Burks as anywhere close to what A.J. Brown was. 
call it revisionist history if you want, but AJ Brown was 20th on the PFF board coming out. Traylon Burks 46th. So I just do not see the kind of sudden athlete in along his routes that AJ Brown was coming out of Ole Miss. And so I would not expect Burks to come in and have an AJ Brown esque rise in that offense. Yeah, I think it's not apples to apples with Traylon Burks. It's not. And he is a explosive receiver for his size. He yeah. can do a lot of what, you know, a lot, a lot of the scheme production, I think, is going to be what, exactly what his role is in Tennessee, right? Playing the slot, getting him the ball, close to the line of scrimmage, and letting him work after the catch, which is similar to what you asked A.J. Brown to do. Mm-hmm. I just think A.J. Brown's better. Like, A.J. Brown, I think, could also play on the outside, whereas Traylon Burks, yeah, he can play on the outside, and he did in the SEC. I think his best role in the NFL will be in the slot in a heavily schemed role that you're feeding him targets and, like, um, you know, first read type of targets and all that kind of stuff. Before we jump, can we focus on the A.J. Brown trade for the Eagles side? Yeah. This, in my opinion, was a phenomenal bet made uh, by the Eagles on developing Jalen Hurts, right? They have Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside at tight end, mm. and now A.J. Brown, right? Oh, which is just which is just Weapons galore. Weapons galore. Um, but, like, you're legitimately saying now, hey, Hurts, we're going to give you a, the kitchen sink. And if you rise to the occasion and you take this leap forward, which, again, he was the 11th graded passer last year and a lot 11th graded quarterback. A lot of that was rushing and stuff like that. But, like, if Hurts takes even a 20% step forward next year with A.J. Brown and stuff, the Eagles, this Eagles team is plus 275 to win the NFC East. Cowboys are still the favorite at minus 210. I don't hate that bet. That's almost 3-1 to odds on the Eagles winning that division. And the Cowboys only got worse this offseason. Steven jo- or Jerry Jones came out and said Tyler Smith might play guard next year. And they lost Lael Collins. They lost Amari Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory. They lost Cedric Wilson. That, in my opinion, like, Cowboys got I worse. I Cowboys, I will say, but yeah. Yeah, the Cowboys got worse. Eagles got better. A lot better. And there was still plus 275 to win FC East. I think that's a good bet. I, I like this move a lot for the Eagles. Did they pay a lot for it? Yeah. $25 million a year for A.J. Brown's a lot of money. Yeah, trading the number 18 overall pick, a first-round pick for a receiver is a lot. But I think they got a damn good receiver – and in where they are from a roster-building perspective, giving everything you've got to develop a quarterback that you have on a rookie contract to really make sure you have a definitive answer on how you want to approach that position in 2023, where they have two first-round picks, is just good business. Yeah, uh, they've done a great job here of kind of rebuilding from a cap nightmare last year that we talked about a lot. Um, I'll say this. If it doesn't work with Jalen Hurts, call it right now. Tom Brady's going to be an Eagle 2023 because he's free agent after the season. And yeah, I know that he retired and whatever, but that's going to be the best situation for anyone to go to any quarterback quarterbacks going to be banging down their door. That offensive line, those receiving that receiving core. Like if Jalen hurts is not a dude, this upcoming season, you have, you will have people wanting to play for you with how we see in this quarterback landscape shake out where guys can kind of pick their destinations that's going to be a destination. Man, you're calling Brady to the Eagles <laughs> this early, bro? Please don't in. put that on a quote graphic. We're putting that on a quote graphic. We're getting a that. jersey swap. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. All right, number 19 overall. Trevor Penning goes to New Orleans Saints. This one I was not a fan of. I, we knew they were going to go receiver tackle. Trevor Penning was low on my board, was not a top 32 player. You're betting on height, weight, speed, and you're betting on him having a lot fewer penalties and being a lot better in pass protection against better competition starting right away. That concerns me. I don't think I don't think you mentioned Zion Johnson. There's a good chance that he's the highest graded rookie offensive lineman next year. 
I, if I was betting on who's the lowest graded, it might be Trevor Penning. Just because it's, it's just an adjustment. You're going from the FCS to the NFL, playing left tackle, and an offense that isn't RPO heavy, isn't going to be protecting shit. Mm-hmm. I could see Penning not playing well initially. Now, does that mean he's a terrible football player and it's a bust pick? No. But I think it's going to take some freaking time. It's going to take some time with Trevor Penning. He is a project. You, know, you build Walker as a project. You build Kayvon Thibodeau as a project. Trevor Penning is a project. You're going to need to turn him into a phenomenal pass protector at the next level because he's not that right now. This one, I won't give it a D because you're still betting on high-end athleticism. I'll give it a C minus though. Yeah, I'll go I'll go C, flat C. I, just, I agree with everything you said that I think you may have serious issues. And, I, and I'm not sure, you know, high-end testing athlete. I, I'm not sure he's high-end football athlete in how he operates like on a football field. I just didn't see it on tape compared to what saw at the combine. So worrisome that obviously need fills that, but if you're expecting kind of the win now approach, getting two good players, getting a guy that can impact your roster right now, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Number 20 overall, Kenny Pickett is a Pittsburgh Steeler. I was stunned, dude. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. I thought this was Malik Willis. They played it perfectly. They didn't trade up. They didn't trade future assets, and they could get what I thought was Tomlin's guy and Kenny Pickett. Or no, no in, Des- in Malik Willis. They go Kenny Pickett. He stays home in Pittsburgh. And I think Mike Tomlin's response was incredible. When they asked him about Kenny Pickett, did you see this quote? He said, yeah, it's interesting. We traveled all around the country to try and find our guy, and he ended up being just in our backyard. When you lead off with it's interesting, I don't know if Tomlin was enamored with Pickett. Obviously, I'm reading through just quotes and shit like that. He could be like Kenny Pickett's best friend. Who knows? But, like, I really thought the Steelers wanted Willis here, man. I really thought the Steelers wanted Willis. They go Pickett. They keep him in Pittsburgh. And I, I don't I – don't, what's the percentage chance Mitch Trubisky beats him out? I don't know. I, I, there's there's some opportunity there. There's some opportunity there. I don't love. I didn't love Pickett as a prospect compared to Malik Willis or even Desmond Ritter. I think he was in the QB three, QB four range for me. I, I'm not high on this pick. Now betting on a quarterback, you're you know, is always good process, especially not having to trade future assets. I'm giving it a B minus, but like emphasis on the minus, and there's still going to be a competition there. Like I think Mitch Trubisky is not going to freaking slouch down. Like Mitch Trubisky is going to come in and try and go toe to toe, and there's a chance that he beats him out. Yeah, I mean like Mitch Trubisky was. A better prospect coming out it was better in co- like college, so that's yeah. I I, I didn't lo- love the pick, and if we were talking about the hand size thing, and we beat it to death, honestly, a little too much probably. But he goes to the worst place for hand size, you know. And you say, oh, he played there in college. We fumbled twenty six times in college. Um, it was kind of an issue for at times. He had terrible grades when it was inclement weather. He is also now going to be playing in December and hopefully January, ideally January, if you know everything is why you draft this guy. And that's a little different animal than what he played in at Pittsburgh with the, oh, he played there already sort of moniker. So I, yeah, I, I just didn't see it, man. I, I didn't see it, but they had to do it because him or Mr. Trubisky, what are you, you going to roll in Mr. Trubisky? No. I think Trubisky beats him out. So I'll put, go, put that on a quote graphic. C minus <laughs> with this one. I guess. Can you imagine the Steelers fans would kill me? They'd roast me. I'd be burnt to a crisp. I, 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 it's a fair competition. I think you would. Yeah, I don't know if it will be though, because the Steelers can't afford to come out of this looking like cheeks. Mm-hmm. Unless Tomlin has some control though. If Tomlin's well, like, if Tomlin's like, Kevin, I want it to be a fair co- competition. It is I Kevin think Colbert's it could. last draft, so maybe he bites the bullet 
on this one, and you can they just blame him if it works. Doesn't I love work. that. I love that. Scapegoat season. Yeah. All right, 21. Trent McDuffie. Chiefs trade up with the Pats and go get McDuffie. I was surprised that the Pats didn't take McDuffie here themselves. Felt like a fit for them. The, we were having a conversation on the draft show. You know, Kansas City Chiefs run more press coverage than any team in the NFL. 86% of reps. Now, it's not that Trent McDuffie can't play press coverage, but he doesn't have the measurables that you normally look for for, like, press coverage, right? Under 30-inch arms, going to play on the outs. Okay, did not, you know, when you look at the Washington defense, when they wanted to move a corner in the slot, it was Kyler Gordon, not McDuffie, right? They liked McDuffie on the outside. I don't know. I'm interested to see where the fit is. You were saying maybe it's a Tyron Matthew thing. Maybe he's playing this Honey Badger role. I did not see that coming in. You know, that's a drastically different role than what he had at Washington. Do they stick him at outside corner and let him run press? I don't know. I, it would not surprise me if that's where they move him to. Because to the Matthew Royce, yes, to the Tyron Matthew, to like a safety. Because Matthew wasn't, you know, he wasn't just oh, backing into, you know, your quarters alignment. You, you know, he was doing a lot of different things at the safety position for them that were unique to him because he's a unique football player. To me, McDuffie is a similarly molded type of player in that doesn't tick your size boxes. You, you know, not going to fit that, but plays the game in such a way and sees the game in such a way that I you could line him up pretty much anywhere in defensively and I think he'll be a plus player. One of the best tacklers in this class as well. So I, I'm curious to see where they end up using him. Even if it is just a press outside corner, I, I don't think he's going to be a disaster in such a role. He's just not going to be your physical get you at the line type of cornerback. So love this pick. I mean I love the Chiefs draft. Probably my second favorite draft first round. Giving it what, an A? That will be an A. I like A. They did trade up for it, trading for non-quarterbacks, going to get valued lower, but I give it an A as well. We like McDuffie a lot, 11th player on the draft board. Quay Walker, the green Quay Packers, as Eric said. Quay, baby. If you did not bet Quay Walker first linebacker off the board at plus 200, if you didn't bet Quay Walker to go in the first 40 and a half picks, and you didn't bet Quay Walker to go in the first round, when we told you, you fucked up because he goes in the first round, made a lot of money off that. Quay Walker goes to the Green Bay Packers at 22. They trade Devontae Adams to the Raiders, and with that pick, grab Quay Walker, off-ball linebacker from Georgia. He was the 45th-ranked player on PFF's draft board. Um, you've brought up the stat that I think is fantastic. They had, what, one tackle for loss all of last season. Not nearly as instinctual as what N'Kobe Dean is, but the comp for him in the draft guide, as you said, Devondre, Devondre Campbell. Campbell. They know what they like at linebacker. They see it in Quay Walker, and uh, it is – the height, weight, speed, the length specifically that you bet on at off-ball linebacker when you're playing with the Green Bay Packers do on defense. I don't hate this pick as much as PFF users do. Only 20% of the users like this pick. Or That's the third lowest. The or, or, you know, we gave it a poor grade. I, I don't think this is – I think I see this in the similar to, like, the penning tier. I think it's like a C, C-. minus. I'm going to give it a C-. minus. Yeah, I, I don't. I disagree with the poor grade here. I, I think he was – at this point in the draft, they didn't have great options. You, you know, everyone that kind of – you thought it was an ideal option for them had been picked. So there was nothing to that would have given you this you know, elite grade at pick 22. So at that point, I mean, like you said, the comp was Devondre Campbell. This is a defense that covets linebackers like Quay Walker that are easy movers in space and are going to just wrap up every ball carrier in front of them. That's Devondre Campbell, why he played so well last year. That is Quay Walker. doesn't need you to come flying downhill, make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. It needs you to make the plays that are given to you in front of you. And that's what Quay does. So pairing those two, I think you're going to see a very static-ish 
Packers defense next year where those guys aren't coming off the field. You obviously don't draft that guy. Like they would take Chris Barnes off the field, their second linebacker, a good amount last year. And, you know, for like dime backers, dime situations, I don't think you're going to see that because these guys are safeties basically in the way they can move. And so that's how they're going to operate that defense. So I lean probably like a C plus B minus range for this pick. I don't think it's a disaster. I would have gone elsewhere personally. I would have gone Devin Lloyd personally, but that's if for linebacker, if that's what they want in their defense, those were probably the two guys, Devin Lloyd and Quay Walker. A lot of the conversation among Green Bay Packers fans like, oh my gosh, Aaron Rodgers must be pissed. No receiver again in the first round because obviously we're going to get to the other pick and they pick Devontae Wyatt. I don't think that's the case. I don't I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is like, oh my God, we're not getting a receiver. Yeah, He's obviously not he even... Doesn't, that- he doesn't like throw to rookies anyway. Like, he wouldn't have... He's a rapport guy anyway. So that's... Not to say that like they wouldn't, but there wasn't anyone on the board. You would have been reaching for, for, per their board yeah, more yeah. likely than not. Obviously, I like Sky more a little bit more than others, but it would have been a play to go twenty-two or twenty-eight for per a lot of boards to get a wide receiver after they were all gone. Like they had all gone. I also feel like with Rodgers, all the reports are is that they knew before he like signed back and came back to Green Bay that Devontae Adams yes. wanted out and he was leaving and. Rodgers still came back, which tells me one thing that I thought got buried way too much in this whole Aaron Rodgers saga. The guy wants money, and he came back to Green Bay. Why? For money. He got a shit. We never got to talk about Shailene Woodley, or did we? What happened with Woodley? They broke up again. They're back off. I thought they were always off. They went back together? No, they came back together, and now they're off for good. You hate to see it. Yeah. They're not off for good. Yeah, no one goes one off and on. Things. Yeah, no one goes off and on twice and doesn't try for the third swing. Shailene Woodley's third movie, the sequel. Um, no, but with Rodgers, it's all about the money, man. It, it's, a lot of it has to be about the money because he's not nearly as – the Green Bay Packers have one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL, and he's still, like, fine, right? I mean, yeah. he's like, yeah, you're, you know, there's no, like, Green, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay now. He was really upset with the Devontae Adams trade. He's like, no, he knew Adams was leaving, and he's probably not even all that – not going receiver in the first round because he's getting paid fat, and that cures a lot of wounds. Even Shailen Woodley led wounds. He has said over the course of career, he's on record saying – if he were to have the option between an elite receiving core and an elite offensive line, he will take the elite offensive line. Love it. Love it. Would he take Woodley back? <laughs> Woodley, come back. <laughs> oh. All right. We're getting a little nutty here. I think I'll- she's the one that won't take him back is, the, is what I was the tea leaves oh, I was reading. Imagine being so dope as a human being that you could turn out well, Raj. I mean, I mean, remember the the sappy Insta post that was like. What's Shailen Woodley's best movie? Gosh, I couldn't even tell you a movie she's been in. Fault in Our Stars, right? Or is that not her? I don't know. I, the one TV show that she was in was good, though. Um, Which one? Gosh, I'm so bad about You're terrible as a human being? No, it was the one where they're like California, and she's just like four moms. She's definitely in Fault <laughs> really in Our Stars. Really describing it well. She's in Divergent. That movie was ass. She was in... I don't know. Oh, I think got her arrested? acting career... Sir Shailene Woodley, and she got a mug shot up. Really? Right. What, what could her, off what could her and Rogers have like bonded over? That just seemed like the such a karma. Just yeah, she was just definitely like, like a who uh, could out hippie each other. Her favorite medicine was vibes. <laughs> uh, she was in Wait, Fault what? in Our Stars. Intern Max, Intern Max, Shadow, she was in Fault in Our Stars. Big Little Lies is the TV show that was great. Um, There's no way that show was good. It's very good. Go watch it. It's at, you'll actually enjoy it. I'm, trust me. All right, number twenty three. We got we, we spent way too much time on Woodley. We're going to get bit. drilled in the comments. All right, Kyrie Elam goes to the Bills, not Brees Hall. They actually traded up here, too, mm-hmm. with the Cardinals, who um, 
We'll get to we'll get to about the Marquise Brown stuff, right? We have to talk about it eventually. When do we talk about Marquise Brown? Because Cardinals didn't pick in the first round. I think this we talked about it here. That. This was a trade. Let's talk about it here. Arizona Cardinals traded the number twenty three overall pick for Marquise Brown, which well, I reacted to live on the draft show. Maybe I was a little bit menacing about it. I I I did not think it would be that much, and I did have a little birdie. I'm not going to say who. I had a little birdie. Tell me. Before the draft, that, hey, he's going to get traded to the Cardinals, and it's going to get announced tonight. You said tonight, and I was like, wait, don't you mean tomorrow? Yes. Because the, I assumed it was a day two pick. Exactly. So the only reason I didn't break it, one, the guy told me don't tell anybody, which was fine. But, like, the other reason, too, is, like, he's got to be high. Like, there's no way the Cardinals are trading him tonight because that means it would be involving their first-round pick. Yeah. And Marquise Brown's not worth a first-round pick. When Devontae Adams is getting traded for a first-round pick and, like, other, you know, New Hopkins getting traded for a second and Mark Cooper's getting traded for a fifth, if Marquise Brown is getting the 23rd overall pick, that'd be insane. And then he did. He got traded for the 23rd overall pick. He was drafted at 25 and somehow elevated his value over the course of his career in Baltimore to 23. Now, I have come away from it. I've tweeted things like it makes no sense. It's absolutely absurd. I don't understand why the Arizona Cardinals are valuing that highly. What Brown is doing... For this offense and why he's coming there is one making Kyler Murray happy because obviously that was a concern. had to be had, to, had be. to be hey we get you uh, you signed the dotted line yeah and you, right? you you calm the fuck down about the Twitter stuff and all this shit <laughs> you, you Kyler Murray's happy add us back on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> and put us back in your bio damn it Marquise Brown gives Kyler Murray his guy his friend from Oklahoma where he had a lot of success and I get that like and if trading the 23 overall pick is the difference between you having Kyler Murray and not it's probably worth it. Number two, it is adding the element that Cliff Kingsbury has been desperate for in his offense. When he, tra- when he drafted Andy Isabel in the second round, Rondell Moore is obviously some of that too with like the speed. But like Marquise Brown can come in and, and win the vertical route tree and win down the football yeah. field. Now, what my concerns are is I just don't think Marquise Brown is worth that much. I don't, I don't think he's worth a first-round pick, honestly. I don't, I don't think he's that good of a receiver. When you talk about Here's the thing, are- though. He's, he was worth it compared to what was on the board. You were not going to get yes, a better receiver yes. next year. If you year, were going to draft a receiver at 23, yes. I get that, which is fine. And like, if you're just going to pigeon your whole self on your receiver, that's more bad process on top of bad process. But, well, here's the thing. They got to win now because now it's Kyler Murray's cheap. So I don't hate it from their perspective. From the Ravens' perspective, it is a fleecing yes. of all, yes. absolute proportion because they found the only team that was going to be willing to pay that price. The only team where his college teammate, his college quarterback was there. His, they had the absolute desperation at the wide receiver position. Because for the Ravens, he's worth like a fourth-round pick. He was just was not a fit with Lamar Jackson, did not fit in that offense. It was not gonna, he was not a value add for them. So to get 23 was just... And, and we talked about this before the show, Marquise Brown, after the season ended, asked the Baltimore Ravens for a trade, and not an inch of that was leaked. That's, that's how you know Eric, you're a good organization. That's a good organization, good front office. Not None of it was leaked to a point where then you were probably playing some games. Like, hey, Marquise Brown, hop on the sticks with Kyler Murray on Fortnite tonight and tell him you're trying to interested. And then, like, then Kyler Murray, <laughs> Kyler Murray tells his agent, he's like, hey, let's go get him, make a play. And then, like, this whole thing yeah. gets sauced They up. thought it was. They incepted the Cardinals. It, they thought it, it, it was, was the Cardinals' idea. It was Inception. And Chaitlin Woodley starring. <laughs> like, it, it was, uh, that was, I don't know. The Baltimore Ravens, it was fantastic process. You drafted him at 25, yeah. you played him for three years, and then you moved on from him. And then, for the Arizona Cardinals, it's probably not as bad as I'm billing it as. I'm just stunned that they paid that price for Marquise Brown. Because, again, I was trying to get at this. We talk about the receiver position, right? And it's valuable. It's super valuable. Christian Kirsch getting paid $18 million plus, whatever. We need to get more specific about what traits specifically are irreplaceable and overly valuable for the receiver position. My opinion is, 
despite how much speed is overdrafted. Small, fast is not is not the skill set that I want to prioritize first round picks on. Honestly, like I want to prioritize first round picks on size, separation, and ball skills. Those are the three things I want to spend first round picks on. And if you could say, oh, but this is exactly what the Cardinals offense needed. This is the piece that they were missing. You know what the piece they were missing? is a guy can get freaking open. They need to just get more guys that get open, get more guys that get open. Can get open, dude. I, I, I think it's, it's a short-sighted trade for sure, but it's a team that has to be short-sighted or can admittedly be short-sighted in their process at the moment. All right. Well, so, the Bills at 23. It's, it's still like it's not great for them long term. And it's kind of why the Cardinals are the Cardinals. Yeah. Steve Kime, by the way. Steve Kime is the only GM in the, in the NFL that can make this trade. Untouchable, dude. He's untouchable. The fun fact about Steve Kime that I love. Didwell's like, he's got nudes or something. He's got something. Because Steve Kime, the fun fact about Steve Kime is he has not worked for any other team since 1999. He was a regional scout for the Cardinals in 1999 and is literally, that's like unfathomable in the league. How many people, even just scouts, have been with one team for this is like 22 years, 23 years. That's insane. Steve Kime has the leash longer than anything I've ever seen. And he pulls off another ridiculous trade, in my opinion. Anyway, Bills get Kyrie Elam. And I hope you meet Steve Kime someday. <laughs> The uh, Bills get Kyrie Elam. The only way I'm meeting him is I freaking work for the Cardinals. Uh, Kyrie Elam <laughs> is a much better selection than the Buffalo. What a lot of people were mocking the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. I think he was an underrated player in this class. Not enough people were talking about him. Uh, I, like, I like Kyrie. This big was, Kyrie fan. I, I I give this one an A minus. I give it. I'll go A. Let's go. I, we've been begging the Bills. Draft a corner. Draft a corner. Corners your downfall. Tyreek Hill's eating your ass live in the playoffs every year. What is he doing? <laughs> Wait, what is, what is Tyreek Hill doing? You saw the tape. <laughs> Kyir can give you answers, man. 439 speed, a press corner. You just talented dude. I, I, I liked him a lot. Obviously, Andrew Booth, you were super high on. He probably falls out of the first round because of injury concerns, but they weren't dissimilar in my eyes in terms of who they were as prospects. And if, if the injuries are a real thing, I would lean Elam myself. So, yeah, love this pick. Yeah, I think the injuries are a real thing. Everything I've heard about Booth is that the the back stuff, the, the all that stuff is not in a great place. Okay. Um, Tyler Smith goes to the Dallas Cowboys at 24. Jerry Jones, in the press conference, flipped around his draft board mm -hmm. and showed the media. He said, we had him over Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson. Love it. And then the, his son, I, I think, was like – which I don't know how son, his son got the – job there the executive job i don't know how he moved up the ranks there but stephen jo he shows his son and interviewed well stephen jones says dude don't show him that and jerry jones like moves it back it's pretty funny jerry jones is one <laughs> of one absolutely one of one show him the draft well the, every year the cowboys draft board gets leaked because they want they always like show insider footage and always inevitably it flashes a thing of the i draft hope board. a media whoever was there sitting front row got a little shot of it He's like, don't show him that. He's like, so he's like, who's next on their board? Who's available on day two? Um, Tyler Smith, we've talked about him a ton. He was the 25th ranked player on PFF's draft board. They drafted him at 24. They, now, you know, there are a lot of people I saw that did not like this pick. Like, only yeah, well, it's because we were, I think, the highest of any draft media on him. Mm -hmm. But I love this dude's tape, man. I, I think this is a sick pick. I, I think he goes to a sweet, like, very good landing spot for him and sort of where he gets to fall and the guys he gets to play alongside. 
Tyler Smith, uh, I'm betting on the upward trajectory. I'm betting on the age, right? Young player, and he's just a, a really good athlete. And I, you've said this before. I'm going to steal it from you. But, like, his run-blocking prowess in terms of, like, finishing guys and all that shit Stupid. is right up there with Icky. No, right up there good. with Icky Aquanu. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Tyler Smith pick. He's, you know, I think Jerry said he could play a guard to start, and, but he'd like him at tackle. Young player. I think this is a good bet. I, I give it a nice – I'll give it an A minus because maybe you know he was yeah. low on the consensus board. I might go B plus because of that. I'll go A minus. I'm gonna go B plus because he's low on the consensus board, and maybe they could have traded back, right? And and you know, obviously, obviously, well, I, I said maybe they could have traded back, but I've been saying all along this guy was gonna go in the first round. Yeah. So I don't know if it was too far back. Fair enough. B plus for Tyler Smith. All right, 25. This one's interesting. Linderbaum. So they got the consensus best safety. The only two positions where there was an obvious best player: Kyle Hamilton at safety and Tyler Linderbaum at center which is crazy for the Baltimore Ravens, after trading down, after trading away Marquise Brown. And Lamar Jackson wasn't thrilled about it. And a lot of people were tagging me in those tweets because I didn't like the Marquise Brown trade. He's like, well, Lamar hates it. I was like, okay, Lamar probably... Your boy asked for a trade, brother. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Marquise Brown asked for a trade after the season ended, Lamar. Yeah. And he's not, as you've said a thousand times, not a fit for what Lamar does. You know, you need to go get some big-ass receivers that get open and, and have a huge catch radius. I also, I think I tweeted this after Marquise Brown was drafted. And people shit on me. People did not like it. Well, I mean, for obvious reasons. But I was like, he couldn't have gone to a worse landing spot if he wants to get a second contract. A run-heavy offense with Lamar Jackson, like he, it was. It just never seemed like it was going to work out. So that that's why you request a trade, just because he's trying to get paid and trying to put up numbers this year. And he was not going to put up numbers. I don't care how well he played he was not going to put up numbers to justify a big contract in that offense so i don't blame him whatsoever for asking for a trade all righty i should we would have done the same same situation what do you give linderbaum here this one's an a that's any concerns boom. about the gap scheme stuff because he only has 100 gap snaps in his career at iowa he's only ever played 100 gap run blocking uh snaps he's played a lot of zone obviously and people yeah. bill him as his own center because he's smaller and whatever he's got short arms you're not concerned at all about him playing obviously what's going to be a gap system no in, in roman still gets his dudes on the move he, he's creative with he with what he does in the run game and if he has a talent like linderbaum and what he can do he will take advantage of that so yeah. i think you will see that cater to in a way or you know he will be pulling to the edge he will be getting out on screens doing stuff there that because Greg Roman knows that he has a guy that can do that. Getting to a slam dunk here. Jermaine Johnson goes to the Jets at 26. They traded 26 and 101. Oh, no, they got 26 and 101 for the 35th pick, the 69th pick, and 163. They paid a little bit there. Mm -hmm. They paid a little bit to go up and go get their guy back into the first round, up nine spots back in the first round. So they gave up 69 and 163, but they also get 101 back. But, man. We were lower on Jermaine Johnson than where beat writers were on him. You know, there were rumors that he'd go as high as four. We are lower on him than the consensus board at 32nd overall. But at 26, this is a value. At 26, it makes a lot of sense yeah. for the Jets to go back in, especially if you love the guy, right? Mm -hmm. Interviews super well. You know, the concerns I have is that his pressure rates weren't great. But on 34-plus, his pressure rates weren't great in true outside-the-tackle alignments. But Ben Stockwell, big shout-out to Ben Stockwell, who does a lot of the grading here at PFF and manages that entire process. He sent me late in the game, day of the draft, that one-on-one um, -on -one data. And he controls no chips, no double teams, and all that stuff. And Jermaine Johnson was actually really, really impressive in true one-on-one -on -one situations. So chipped a lot at Florida State, obviously. That's what driving overall pressure rates down. So I, I came around on Jermaine Johnson in the 20-32 to 32 range. I think this is an A pick. Yeah, I went. A, I go A minus. 
And for the trade, maybe. I I will say, the whole um, all my notes that I prepped for him pre-draft were all like explaining why we were lower on him. And then we get to 26, and I'm like, oh, that's actually where I draft him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, none of my notes made sense anymore. I, I just think he's a very solid, you know, plug-and-play NFL defensive end and allows you the flexibility to not rush Carl Lawson back, you know, coming back from the Achilles. He can be a rotational guy and kind of what, how he was used for Cincinnati early in his career, or the vast majority of his career there, where he's just your sub-package, get-after-it guy. And Jermaine, I think, has more inside-outside, can, can rush from the inside too because of how good he is with his hands to where – so that's a improved D-line day one. You're not going to have to wait for that guy. Jacksonville Jaguars at 27. They traded back into the first round. I did not I did not love this for the Jags. Really? Right? Trading. I liked it a lot. Trading additional assets to go up and get yeah. an off-ball linebacker. So they traded 33, 106, and 180. I guess they didn't give up that much, actually. 106 and 180. Anytime you're trading like outside top 100 picks, those are pretty much just darts. I, I think they definitely – were scared of the Patriots drafting. Oh, for sure. Oh, you had to be. Yeah. And go. In hindsight, looking at just trading outside the top 100 picks to get back into the first round, and they go from 33 to 27 to make sure they go get an off-ball linebacker. What I don't want it's a they are investing a shitload in off-ball linebacker. Foyo Lukens, one of the highest-paid off-ball linebackers in the NFL, and then obviously you're now trading multiple assets and getting back into the first round for Devin yeah. Lloyd, who is a phenomenal off-ball linebacker prospect. He was the favorite to be the first linebacker off the board before the Quay trade came through. Um, I, I, I give this like a B. I give it a solid B. Okay. You know, I, I think Devin Lloyd's a really solid player. I'm interested to see how they use him. I thought his pass rushing moves when he was playing on the defensive line were pretty impressive. But ultimately, I think he's a versatile player that can do a lot for Jags. Yeah, I went, I'll go A- minus for this one. I, I do think he's the most NFL-ready linebacker. And I think he fits... Another, another scheme fit that I just love. I mean, the guy can blitz his ass off. He can win one-on-one against NFL-caliber offensive linemen. That's what that, that's what that scheme's going to ask him to do, what it's going to need. So there wasn't another guy you felt great about that being in this draft class, that all-around, you know, Levante David for them. That's how I feel about Devin Lloyd. 28. Green Bay Packers don't go receiver. They go Devontae Wyatt, and multiple teams had dropped Georgia defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt off their board for domestic violence arrests, right? Or was it one arrest? I don't want to speak on it. It was one arrest, one incident where he kicked in the door of a female that he had had previous relationship, I believe, maybe an ongoing relationship, and there were three charges stemming from that. It was like family violence, trespassing, um, no, no actual like bodily harm after that. But yeah, that's was... what Gudikun said. So Gudikun said yeah. we went pretty deep with him to make sure he was comfortable with a human being. In the instances instances he had, he never hit anybody, never yes. hurt anybody. And then he also added, "I didn't. I don't like framing domestic violence this way." He said he had a couple hiccups, so we brought him in and, and we liked him in Green Bay. I don't like framing domestic hiccups, violence as hiccups, but, but it, well, it wasn't literal violence. It was he kicked in the door of. That's yeah. like, and then three charges stemming from that that ended up getting dropped. So that was the issue. Uh, he is 24 years old. You know, another red flag in a profile. Obviously not a similar red flag, but a red flag nonetheless. But, dude, he's fucking good. He was DT1 on the PFF draft board. This was a – this was one of my favorite picks in the first round, truthfully. I mean, this is a guy that is what they needed, is what they've been looking for across from next to Kenny Clark. And it gives them – now versatility because they didn't have another guy like they had to have Kenny Clark at nose. 
he had to play nose tackle. Um, now they drafted Darrell Slayton last year, and he's kind of helped that out a little bit. But if they were going to, in any other situations, any like you know, passing down situations, Kenny had to play the nose. Now Devontae can play the nose. He, he's very much capable of doing that. So you get flexibility in that regard where either of those guys can line up anywhere between the tackles and still produce. I'm going B-plus for Devontae Wyatt here. Domestic violence stuff still concerns me, and the age is a concern, concerning, but best interior pass rusher in this class and a guy who dominated the senior bowl. I will go A with this pick. Number 29. I'm going to spend some time here. Cole Strange, Chattanooga interior offensive lineman, the 86th-ranked player on PFF's draft board, and I think he was the 74th-ranked player on the media consensus board. Now, before I get killed, and everyone's like, Bill Belichick knows more football what, than what me. What was he on the he... consensus? Sorry. 74th. Okay. Um, before I get killed, you can like Cole Strange, the Chattanooga interior offensive lineman, and think he's a phenomenal football player. I think a lot of people do. Jim Nagy does. He obviously was there at the Senior Bowl. I think a lot of people who saw his Senior Bowl were impressed with the handful of reps that he had. But if you are not... Factoring in, I've said this last year and I said the year before on this freaking podcast, if you're not factoring in the consensus board into how you are evaluating your approach to the draft, not how you evaluate players, right? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Like if you like Chattanooga as the number one overall player on this draft, that's great. Still factor in the consensus board. There were only four players, Mike, that were on the top 32 of the consensus board that did not go in the first round. Like it's very highly correlated to where these guys go. It was Andrew Booth Jr., who we knew had injury stuff. Mm-hmm. Nicobe Dean, who we knew had injury stuff. David Ajabo, who literally just got hurt. And then Malik Willis, which no one saw coming. Yeah. But even then, he was the 29th-ranked player on the board. Why are you taking Chattanooga's Cole Strange, even if you think he's a phenomenal football player, that highly when, you, when there is something that is really available? And they might have more better stuff than that. The NFL team's probably got some cooler stuff than that that's correlated to where draft positioning is and all that stuff. And then you say, well, what if well, what if someone else took him? Well, fine. You can't Cole Strange's evaluation wasn't gonna be like multiple standard deviations above the guy you would have picked if he was off the board at 29, right? Like I I don't understand. And then you had him come out and say we would have picked him at 21. That's ludicrous. Like you don't you don't have to pay a hundred dollars for an in and out burger that you really like if you know you can get it for fucking five or ten. And there's a lot of data, a lot of data that suggests he would have been available in the second round. I, a lot of data that suggests that. So Cole Strange, I know you like him. We like him as a lot as like a day two player to take a flyer on. I don't see how you, see, you look at it from a value perspective and come away with saying he's our guy no matter what. We throw the consensus stuff out the window. We draft good players. I, I just don't think you're playing the game. You are not playing the game the NFL has given you. The NFL has given you a board game. There's some dice, there's some pieces, and you said, I don't care, I'm playing it my way or the highway. And how has that worked out for Bill Belichick? With Nikhil Harry, with Malcolm Brown, with Sony Michelle. I mean, they have not drafted particularly well. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, so I feel like the, the Rams live stream was everyone. You know, Les Snead, Sean McVay, taking it back. It was actually a great clip. And great like insight into how just how insane of a reach was. They said they thought he might have been on the board up in the hundreds when they first were going to draft. They had wasted their time evaluating him. They said um, Doug Kide, coworker here at PFF Insider, he said similar things. People were shocked that he one AFC scout said I couldn't believe it. This is from Doug yeah. Kide's article. An NFC scout said I was shocked to see him go that early. An NFC executive sent an eight character text. Bah ha 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 ha. 
But you, if you are shocking people in the league yeah. and getting laughter from executives, I just don't think you're playing the board game right. You're not. Yeah. Th- th- you're not playing the game right. There was the one guy I didn't have notes on that I like. I I had all my notes lined up for guys I thought could be first round. I think I had it lined up for like sixty guys. Did not have him. Now, he's a high end athlete. They in the same article, Doug Hyde said the Bucks and Jets were high on Strange, but more likely not not going to draft him at the top of the second round still. Um, Bill Belichick has a good track record. I mean, obviously, Darte Skarniecki is not there anymore, but still, I, th- I trust his track record with developing offensive linemen. His tools are insane. 10-foot broad jump, 7-4-4-3 cone. The guy can move flat out, but 0.0 pass block at the senior ball. He, he, was not, he was a liability in pass protection, and, and I had him jump between guard and center, and it was guard on tape at Chattanooga, so maybe that's part of it, but... You traded a fifth rounder for Shaq Mason. Trade away Shaq Mason for nothing to draft his replacement who may not be good for three years. Because Shaq Mason wasn't good for three years. You know, it, it's it's just the odd business proposition for a position that's just doesn't impact football games that much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it can if a guy's a liability there, which Cole Strange might be next year. I, I don't understand the value. I, I, I understand the athleticism, height, weight, uh, height, weight, speed. He's six foot five, three hundred seven, with like really, really good testing in the explosives, uh, and even in the agilities too. Like he was, he was a really good athlete. And mm-hmm. like you're betting on height, weight, speed. It's another project. The difference in this one is, you know, you bet on projects, right? You know, Kayvon Thibodeau project. I think Kayvon, um, uh, Trayvon Walker, a bit of a project. Trevor Penning, a bit of a project. The difference is, is the other teams like those guys too. And they weren't going to be available on day two because of the consensus evaluation. With Strange, so much data is pointing in the fact that this guy would have been available at your second pick. And you, I, I, I think you're overconfident in your own evaluation. It's, the, it's the, the, the phrase I say is old as time. I will say this about Strange. He might be the first offensive lineman I've ever seen who had vascularity in his biceps. This dude is a rocked up 307 pounds. You don't see bicep veins on offensive linemen uh, every day. That's on me then. I guess it was a good pick. <laughs> uh, Devin, uh, no, next on our list here, George Karloftis. I think I called this my favorite pick of round one. I mean, when you think about it from a value perspective, he was a top 10 player on PFF's draft board, top 10 player on my draft board, someone that I think is a phenomenal player at a premium position with really good explosiveness. I don't understand why maybe he fell this far. He's also a guy that's a lunch pail type, hardworking, all this stuff, played I'll over 800 going. snaps. Of, How many more can you do? Over 800. High a motor. lunch pail. Um, he brings his hard hat. Yeah. Um, first in, last out. First in, last out. Uh, he's. You brought up the. Why your daughter to marry him? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you brought up the. He literally got an apartment. Yeah. Closest to the Purdue facility, so he could be the first in, last out. Yeah. Carl Loftus to the Chiefs. I think this is a. I think this is a slam dunk. One of the best values of round one. We gave first this an elite grade. Ninety-two percent of users on PFF like this pick. First in, last out. Also an accounting method. Not one you should use though. Um, Carl Loftus. Yeah, this is one of my favorite picks. Maybe my favorite pick in the first round in that I I don't know if he's NFL ready to make a massive impact, but you could start this guy year one, and he can also become a high-end starter at the position. Uh, to get that at 30 overall at, the, at a drastic position of need. Like he is a – he's like Mike Dana if Mike Dana was good. You know, like you just got – He's Mike Dana if Mike Dana was good. Well, I mean, like that's like the type of that defense is they like those bigger power ends, like obviously Steve Spagnuolo. That's what he's gone for, and he's just going to be a massive, massive upgrade. The Chiefs had a day. Day. Yeah. Big fan of McDuffie. 
He was the 11th ranked player on PFF's draft board. Big fan of Carl Loftus, the 10th ranked player. Last two picks here, Daxon Hill. You have the take that they're going to play him an outside corner. Let's see. I mean, what's what's the slot role he played at in the NFL? Now, they have Mike Hilton. They paid Mike Hilton good money. He's not going to replace Mike Hilton, right? So the role he played at Michigan, it's truthfully closer to an outside corner. Like, he, he is guarding a, a vast majority of his time. There was just playing man coverage with two-way goes, making it almost like harder. And that role and what he did, to me, is more projectable two-way outside corner in what the Bengals do. And now the Bengals covet versatility too. Like they do a bunch of different things defensively. Their game plan week to week will change a lot, which this is another like chess piece. I, 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 I like the pick from that perspective. It, it's a risk with him never having played it, but it's not any riskier than throwing Eli Apple out there again and seeing what happens, you know? So if we're, if we're debating between the options on the board and say, you know, Andrew Booth wasn't one with his health, Daxton Hill's where I would have gone. I'm humbling for a cornerback position. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Sims said him and Jesse Bates gets him aroused. No. Are you aroused? Did he actually? He said him and Jesse Bates has me aroused. Oh, he's currently aroused. Yeah. Is he hanging out with both of them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think that Trevor brought up, you know, is this that they don't want to pay Jesse Bates or whatever? I don't know how much of it is that. But, like, if they can find a way to get Daxon Hill – Chidobia Wuzier, Jesse Bates, and Mike Hilton all on the football field at the same time. Wherever they shift and turn that, huh? Von Bell and Von Bell too. Yeah, and Von Bell. I I, I think that secondary is is getting lifted. I think he was always going to be a first round pick. I think the the Bengals were probably happy to see him there at thirty one. I give this an A. Yeah, I go A. Number thirty two, Lewis Seen. Vikings. I thought we're going to go Malik Willis here, man. I thought I didn't. Would... I never thought you really didn't I, think I, they'd I, go Malik. I Willis? think they had an edict down from the owner, just Keith Kirk. Ziggy, right? Ziggy Wolf. I I think they're committed. Okay. And when like when they gave him that plus one deal, it was a sign of good faith. And once that happened, yeah, maybe long term decision making wise, Malik's a better will is a better chance of a Super Bowl than Lewisine. But you you're playing to have Kirk Cousins win your Super Bowl at this point. Lewis Seen was one of my favorite deep safety prospects in this class. He played at a very high level at Georgia. I think Minnesota planning for time after Harrison Smith, right? Or maybe I, I think Lewis Seen here, I mm -hmm. think, can play. Well, I want him to play deep safety in the NFL. I think the Vikings, he was in my, one of my favorite back end of the first round picks. I, I, I give this one an A. I think Lewis Seen is, is a phenomenal football player. And this safety class is so good, right? Daxton Hill, you car use a corner safety. Lewis Seen comes off the board at the back end of the first round. You have Kyle Hamilton. Brisker's still on the board. Jalen Petrie's still on the board. Uh, I, I like this value for Minnesota. Yeah, I'm a fan of it as well. And I think... I'm going to go A- minus actually. I'll go A- minus as well. A- minus Because I would have liked Malik Willis more, honestly. I would have liked, liked them to go Malik Willis here. All right, that's it for the first round. That was a long pod, dude. Uh, I, well, let's go quickly and preview day two. Or no, we want to go winners, losers, steals, preview day two. Biggest winners for me were Jalen Hurts, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs, and both New York teams. I thought the Jets were great. I thought the Giants awesome with Thibodeau and Neal. Philadelphia getting A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis, and then Jalen Hurts winning that because now he's got legitimate receiving core. Baltimore wins by fleecing the Cardinals in the Marquise mm -hmm. Brown trade. Also getting phenomenal talent to Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, and Kansas City, two of the top 12 players on PFF's draft board, two of the top 11 players on PFF's draft board at 21 and 30. Those are good picks. Yeah, I had biggest winners. If you had two first-round picks, you probably won. 
<laughs> you know, Fair. the other teams that got multiple, they turned out good. Um, Kenny Pickett, big winner. Dude getting QB1 status, coming off the board, not having to go anywhere, staying at home. That's a sick landing spot for him. Wide receivers. If you play the wide receiver position, you're over the fucking moon right now. Yeah. You're getting banked. You're getting paid. You are getting valued. You are. You're getting traded to your friend's team. Yeah, you're getting traded to whatever team you want to go to. If you're a wide receiver, you're holding a nice set of cards at the moment. And the Seattle Seahawks. I the Seattle Seahawks were a big winner. Obviously, we're highlighting all the teams with multiple picks. If there was a team that won with only one pick, it was the Seattle Seahawks. Great way to start a rebuild. Franchise type of left tackle, top left tackle on the board. It fell perfectly for them to get Charles Cross. Oh, Seattle's a good one too. And I think Seattle has picked 40 and 41. If yeah. they can get that's a good spot. If they that's can right. get like Ritter and Abicady, I'd be hot, dude. I'd like that a lot for Seattle. I'd like that a lot. All right. Uh biggest steals. We kind of hit on this already. George Colossus yeah. said that was a steal. We don't um, have to do biggest steals. Let's yeah, just do best available. Best available. Bernard Ryman. Raymond. Raymond, Central Michigan offensive tackle. I'm just going to read off the top 10 available here. Let's do it. Bernard Raymond, Central Michigan offensive tackle. He's the 18th ranked player on PFF's draft board. Then you got N'Kobe Dean still available. Sky Moore, Western Michigan wide receiver. Andrew Booth Jr. Dean and Booth, I think, could be slip, slip and slide in here just because of the injury stuff. And, and apparently those are rough. Travis Jones. Someone's getting a slam dunk in Travis Jones on day two. I'm sorry. Yeah. George Pickens, receiver from Georgia, is available. Malik Willis still available, which is insane to say. Jalen Petrie, slot corner safety prospect coming out of Baylor. Arnold Abicady, Penn State, and Sam Howell, Leo Chanel, also available here at the top of day two. I, I love this day two, man. There, there's going to be some talent come off the board in the next 25 picks. That I think like Oroy D-Roy could come from this part of the draft. When it's all said and done, where do you think the Bucks go here at 33? I think they go with Logan Hall. But me personally, dude, if they got Travis Jones and Vita Vea, how are you running on that team? Travis Jones and Vita Vea. I would go Travis Jones. But I could see them going Logan Hall because – pass rush is king even if travis jones only is like tested out almost as well as an athlete and he's 325 pounds so love to see i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast make sure you rate review and subscribe the the schedule is gonna be interesting this week uh we got we're gonna do another one tomorrow and we're probably gonna, we're not gonna do one sunday we're gonna do one monday monday morning and, and and really recap the entire um draft man i'm excited for day two excited for day three let's go get it austin gale mike renner tailgate